All right. Hello. Uh, welcome to my podcast. Uh, this is Mike. And um, basically, this is just an excuse for me to call up my friends and talk to them about movies, force them to like watch a movie with me. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to do this. Uh, with me, I have Robbie. Hello, Robbie. Hello. How are you doing, Mike? I, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm excited to uh, chat movies with you. So I think the conceit of this is like that I will have a guest on and uh, that guest picks a movie. And um, because I got to be fancy like that, the movie is uh, limited to the uh, Criterion Collection streaming. Sorry, the Criterion channel. So at least that was the parameters I gave you, right? So that was the parameters and... You can definitely go down a wormhole of Criterion Channel and like how they choose and the whole entire philosophy. So I appreciate the parameters of not just any movie in the universe, but Criterion Channel. And more specifically, when I get your login code, uh, sorry yeah. Criterion for sharing, but it's very fun to find what specific <laughs> movies are on the app. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And so I think that like, you know, you... I mean, you've always been interested in movies, right? You've always watched movies, but I feel like during the pandemic that we're living in, right, you've kind of amped it up a little bit and you've been like, oh, I'm going to watch like old movies and like foreign films and I'm going to get really like pretentious with my shit, you know, Very which I, I appreciate because that's, <laughs> yes, that's how I've always been. Um, uh, I, I was a film major in college. Robbie was not, but we did take a film uh, class together, right? That's how we first met. Was it really? Yeah. I don't I think that's you, I, it, it was, because I remember I'd bug you like, hey, can you review my paper? And the paper would be three sentences. I'm like, how do I write about film without just recapping the whole entire story? Do you remember what the paper, like what movie the paper was about? Oh, man, I forget. this. What's the one with the gold shirt and then... Like uh, the rose, shirt. the, uh, the rose colored shirt or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. oh, was it like in Spanish? Yeah. Or, oh no, gosh, it, it was in English, but I think she learned she she was Italian and she like spot read English. Yes, sorry, movie. Yes. yes, I have not thought about that movie. I think since we watched it, I do not know what it's called. We will figure this out. Um. <laughs> It's like I don't gold, remember if like it was any good or not. I think or something like that. What'd you say? It's like the gold colored shirt or something. That was like the rose, the rose glass or the um, the rose colored glasses. I don't know. Anyway, like we were gonna figure this out. I don't think it was. Did you think it was very good? I don't think. I think it was like very over the top melodramatic acting. <laughs> yeah, I yeah that was. That was that was definitely a tough one. Once we get an actual title and remember it, I think it'll be. I I think it'll open up more thoughts on that. <laughs> I would say that very over the top melodramatic acting is going to be a theme of uh, of what you'll find on the Criterion channel. But honestly, I love it. I love it regardless. I will make fun of it and probably laugh about it, but I'm here for it. So, um. Anyways, I think basically without further ado. You know, Robbie, I invited him on the podcast and he gets to choose the movie. And uh, I don't know what we're watching yet. So um, I called Robbie up and he's going to tell me what we're watching. And then we'll uh, we'll actually talk about the movie in a, in a short period of time here. So um, 
I guess, you know, Robbie, what what movie have you decided on? So after much uh, deliberation, uh, going around the channel of, of the Criterion picks, uh, you are going to watch and we are going to discuss the movie Brief Encounter from 1945 by director <laughs> director David Lean. <laughs> have you ever okay. heard of it? Okay. So I know David Lean. Um, he directed what Lawrence of Arabia. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He has, okay. some, uh, he has, he has some big ins out there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Brief encounter 1945. I have, I don't think I've, I've definitely have not seen it. I don't think I've heard of it. Um, I, Oh man. Wow. Okay, cool. It's been a, you know, I've been definitely watching a lot of movies in the seventies. I, have like turned the like pre like 1950s part of my brain off, but I'm excited to like open that up and, uh, and see what's there. So you have to flip that switch, man. It's time. You got to go black and white. You got to go. Yeah. I think it's like four thirds aspect ratio or something like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun watch. I think it's going to be a very fun discussion. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we will talk about this movie shortly. All right, and we're back. Uh, me and Robbie are here. We've watched the film. We've watched Brief Encounter. Brief Thanks Encounter, again, Robbie. Brief Encounter of the Third Kind. We watched the right yes. movie, right? <laughs> yes. I'm waiting for the first time that I watched the wrong movie with somebody. That'll be fun. But um, anyway, so we're back. We've watched the movie, and we're excited to discuss it with each other. So um, I think, like, just for starters, I don't remember if we already discussed this or not, but, like, what was the uh why, why did you choose this movie robbie like what was the reasoning behind it um all right so i definitely wanted something like pre-60s i don't know i, I haven't watched a older film in a while so i thought it'd be something cool to get a little bit old uh a little bit older i i uh, was on my phone all day on the criterion app just kind of looking through all these films i had like five films and i finally settled and a couple weren't on the streaming channel so i'm like and then i see this um you know really good director in a early film that i've like never heard of in my life so i'm like let's go yeah. for it black, all the black and white goodness and i'm sure we'll get into it but the, the fact that it was like shot during world war ii is just surreal to me so i'm like let's go for it i i, I read that much and you saw the dating on its release so i'm like yeah this let's let's go with this yeah that is really interesting because i know that you mentioned that and i um i i think i also read that you know not only like not only was it filmed during world war ii in england but um i i believe it was shot in the middle of the country due to the fact that the london studios had uh shooting blackout at the time basically to sort of um I, I guess dissuade people from making movies during the war, focus on the war effort. Um, but it's kind of funny because I, you know, as I think everybody's doing right now with everything is placing, um, placing things that happen in the lens of the pandemic and of uh, COVID-19. And, um, <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of like, people that maybe aren't following social distancing rules as much as they should be or, or something like those, like along those lines, because is the end of the war, you know, people like I'm thinking of the artists, I'm thinking of the filmmakers a little bit tired of, Oh, we got to focus on the war, blah, 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 whatever. And they just want to make their movies. So they head off 
uh, up north to I don't know where this was filmed, but they go there and they film their movie. Meanwhile, everybody else is fighting the Nazis. Uh, so, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like okay, I'm done with this and I'm ready to actually continue with my professional life. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. But they, they even said they had to like black out some of the like they had to, like they were worried about having to stop production like during air raids and stuff like that, which is insane. And, yeah right uh, that's crazy like for audio it it's like oh sorry there's a bomber above like we <laughs> we, we missed that take sorry B, yeah b52 go ahead and uh, take another one seal you know you did great on that <laughs> yeah yeah um so i think like really quick just kind of going through the movie and the plot a little bit you know um this is basically the story of a woman uh who she's a she's a 1940s housewife in uh in england and uh, she goes into town and she does her chores and she meets up with other ladies of the town and often goes into the pictures and uh, gets tea and gossips and whatever. Um, her husband and two kids. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she, so her husband is the home, uh, is the breadwinner and she's the homemaker, right? Um, so very <laughs> traditional gender roles. And, yeah, like, uh, it, like uh, if it was modern day, she would like go to Orange Theory or something like that. And, yes, like, yeah. Movies like on every Wednesday, if that, that just to paint a picture of what who this lady is. For sure, she doesn't. She's not employed. We'll put it that way, right? <laughs> she's not employed. Her her job is to um, raise her children and to make the home. So, but she gets she has um, you know errands to run in town as one is to do, um, and. You know, one day when she's in town, she uh, gets a little dirt in her eye from the train. And there's this charming doctor who uh, happens to help her. And they're kind of like immediately smitten with each other. Okay, so. They share um, a powerful moment. Yes, it's, it is quite powerful. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, you know, you can see where this is going. They, uh, they keep seeing each other every Thursday until the um, implicit becomes explicit. And they you know, are falling in love with each other. And, you know, he has a wife too. And um, she, uh, we, we get to see these domestic scenes of her and her husband. And she's just a little, she's like bored and unimpressed with him. She's just, he's kind of a bit of a loser or doesn't really pay attention to her. Um, and he plays the you crosswords, know, they, the, the, the crosswords when she's like trying to do something like that, that's like, that's his big, like he spends ninety five percent of his on screen time just playing crosswords. Yeah, uh, he, he was I doing do some. Too. He was doing so, like some uh, intense crosswords too. It was like, ah, oh, that fits in between Tutankhamen and Gilgamesh, and like, perfect. <laughs> and I was like, geez, like these, this is like, this is like next level, I think. But like, um, like he would he would definitely have the crossword New York Times crossword apps in modern day. I'm trying to relate. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I actually, I actually uh, got the crossword app at the beginning of the pandemic, and you made me get it. I got it too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot of time on the phone, but you know, I figure it's a better use of time than being on Twitter. So I, yeah, I, I need to get back on that. And I've, I've recently started getting back on the Duolingo. I'm learning Spanish. Okay, um, I give it up every time. Two, two bebes agua. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so. But back to the movie. Um, so they keep seeing each other until it's a full-blown affair. And then, you know, one night 
he's got the flat. He's got like his friend's flat in town to himself and he tries to get her to stay there. And she almost does, right? She goes back. She leaves the train and runs back to the flat to go stay with him. But then the guy who lives there shows back up and she runs away in in shame, in horrible shame. And I, I mean, you know, it's really easy to joke about, but I think it's like important to remember that like 1945, you know, not only not only was this like of the time of the movie, like the movie that it's depicting, but also like in popular society. I mean, you know, I was reading about the play that this is based on, who the guy who wrote the play also contributed to the screenplay of this film. And um, he in the play, he like had a lot of this stuff much more explicit in terms of what was happening or if they hooked up and whatnot. Right. And obviously like just with the way that the film industry was in the forties, I mean, there was a literal production code of what you could and could not show like in any movies. So um, I think it's important to remember that it's like this movie probably was kind of scandalous in the sense that it depicted an affair and um, they were pretty like laissez faire about the way they talked about things and whatnot. So, yeah. And they, and the big thing is like, it's, they never actually hooked up on, you know what I mean? Or it's even implied that they hooked up. Right. Like there wouldn't have yeah. been any, yeah, they definitely did it in the movie. So um, they kissed, they did kiss. They did kiss. If we're, yeah. we're going to call kissing, hooking up, that's <laughs> that it's not that type of pod. They definitely snogged. Yes. Sorry. We're not, we're not call her daddy. So, um, but, but anyways, the point is that uh, it doesn't happen. And then he being a doctor, he gets like an assignment in Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, so it's kind of like their last, uh, their last goodbye before he leaves. And then she goes home to her husband and they, they kind of make up a little bit. But I think one thing that like immediately I want to talk about that's like really cool and I think made the film really effective is like the way it starts with you see them somberly talking um, in the uh, refreshment room, as it's called. Um, And then there's like some other stuff going on and not until about 10 minutes into the film um, when the main character what's her name i forget what her name is uh uh, uh, laura laura okay it's not until later that laura gets home and she starts to do a little voiceover and she starts to like slowly describe what's going on until we flash back to them first meeting which uh kind of reminded me of like like i wanted to ask you um like what other films you've seen from the 40s like can you name any like offhand like, oh man, this, put me on the spot. Yeah, Casablanca. What year is that? <laughs> that was. That was. I think that's forty-one. Casablanca. So, yeah. End of list. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of films from the forties, to be honest. So the, I can't the, think of a ton off the top of my head, but definitely Casablanca, and then Citizen Kane is nineteen forty-one as well, which was obviously uh-huh. like, obviously, people blow smoke up that film's ass all the time, but like, it was nineteen forty-one, and it definitely changed a lot of things in movie making and i feel like they kind of took a convention from citizen kane for this film which is essentially like the beginning of citizen kane is a journalist after after kane has died and um they're like they're starting at the end and then kind of flashing back and telling the story of his life and i feel like this movie kind of does that a little bit um, yeah like usually you get like nowadays i think more like immediate res where it starts in the middle 
and then like catches up to the middle to go to the end. But I, I thought it was definitely an interesting thing where they kind of start pretty much at the dead end with 10 minutes left of the film and then, you know, do the voiceover from the beginning, which was, I, I really, I really like that. Because like at yeah. the end of every scene, you kind of got her input about how she's feeling. So I really, really enjoyed that, that choice. Robbie, do you have, do you have Google handy? I do have Google handy. I want you to Google this painting. It's called Automat by Edward Hopper. All right. Came up in my suggested searches. Uh, let's see. What does this painting remind you of? Oh, dang. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? So so we're looking at this painting called Automat, Automat, whatever, by Edward Hopper. And I just know this painting from like an art history class. But the minute that we opened in the refreshment room of this movie, even like kind of where the camera was placed, I was like, oh, man, this reminds me of a painting. And it basically depicts this uh, lonely woman sitting with tea in um in one of these rooms outside yeah. the train station yeah yeah so you know this was I, I thought that was an interesting connection too i mean i didn't do any digging to see if there was any influence there but this painting awesome. was made in 1927 and i definitely like was reminded of it had to look up what it was but um but yeah That's just cool. another another yeah, cool like little it. connection there right like it's if you don't watch the movie, movie. that like paints a perfect picture of how this lady is, <laughs> like at the, yes. like at, at th- throughout points of the movie. In the in the first scene, like in the way we first see them, they're clearly having, they're clearly having like a really difficult conversation, and then, um, it's kind of comedically interrupted by this really loudmouth woman who knows Laura and comes over and and starts chatting with her and who's this handsome fellow and whatever and like this is literally he has to get on a train in like three minutes and he knows this is probably the last time he's ever going to see this woman again. Yeah, it's and, it's such a cool story because it's like about it. Like, you know, it's never going to happen because A, you see the time period. No one's ever going to leave their spouse and two kids for like, but they it, like they truly are in love, but it just cannot happen. And uh, like in the first 10 minutes are like kind of hard to get through because you were like, Man, is this like one girl gonna be in the movie the whole entire time? This yeah, like chatty <laughs> girl, like blowing out my speakers right now. And like, like it was Laura, the main character, is just so depressed because she knows she just like said goodbye to the love of her life. Yes, it was definitely like a little bit too long. Like, they definitely like laid it on heavy with her being like, Oh, did you hear that Mr. Whatever was engaged <laughs> recently? And blah blah blah. It's just like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, we've been hearing this for straight up 10 minutes now, but um pretty funny at the beginning i would say and then another cool thing that it does is that um you follow you follow this next woman this chatty woman up to the counter for a minute and we're kind of hanging there with the camera and then like um laura's gone and then she comes back in and she uh after a minute and she faints she's like a panic attack Yeah. yeah but then at the end of the movie we see what actually happened is that she she ran outside and she almost threw herself in front of a passing train. Um, and, and they get, they do a little lot. Uh, so, you know, in film terms, this is known as the Dutch angle, but uh, Robbie likes to call it in his uh, photography, the Yankish tilt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do a little Yankish tilt on her right before she like, she's kind of like staring a thousand yards ahead and uh, contemplating like suicide. Like it's crazy. Yeah. 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 And I think another thing that, you know, 
another thing that's that's pretty uh, crazy to think about for the time period of the film it's it's always interesting with film history too because i think like it, it's not like people are naive like people would read stuff in novels they would read very sexually explicit novels like in all of history but for a new medium like for film it still took a while to like get through get to that point you know what i mean so like the idea that you could read about suicide or read something in a novel, I think isn't crazy, but like then seeing it on the screen and especially the way that like film is so visceral, I think, you know, something like that happening in a movie, you know, only a couple decades after this art form has been introduced is, is pretty interesting. You know, not, not um, the only example I'm sure, but once again, suicide affairs, it's, it's a it's a steamy movie for the 40s i must say <laughs> yeah de- definitely i i i agree um yeah uh, but so just overall before we dive deeper into it and be a little, a little back on the film how did you feel about it how did you feel about it? did you like the movie i did i i liked the movie um i i definitely was engaged with the story i mean it's like it's a pretty common story right the idea of like an affair or like people falling in love or whatever, however you want to take it. Like um, there's definitely an element that kind of reminded me of like um, before uh, sunrise where, you know, it's just two people who meet and they're in Europe and they're kind of like walking around and having a good time with each other. Um, But I liked the fact that um, I like, I I like the fact that it, you know, was taking place in this time period and you got to see a lot of that, like both in the production design and in the characters and everything. Um, I, I did think it was interesting too, how, um, you know, this woman, like this actress, she, she's not like, she's not unattractive, but she is not like the Hollywood starlet that you would picture in one of these roles, especially if this movie was especially in the 40s. Made in, yeah, like she's definitely yeah like, made in America. Like the, I think it's like an interesting point that, um, the casting of this film, you know, it's like not really any famous actors, at least from an American perspective. And also learning that this movie is like pretty, uh, pretty well known, pretty revered in England. I mean, I don't, you know, I think like obviously Hollywood ran things for so long. And I think like for England, you know, it took a little bit longer to sort of like start churning out movies that they felt like they could claim as their own, you know? So Right. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like you go back to the casting too. Like it, I thought you got to hit the nail on the head. I was going to bring that up where, you know, she's like a real, I hate to say like realistic, but you know what I mean? Like she's not yeah. some just like uh, knockout. And then same with the dude. Uh, he was just like, <laughs> he wasn't some ugly model or like super handsome. And like he's like, yeah, he's a pretty good looking dude. He's fine. Like, yeah, he's, he's yeah. okay. <laughs> i wouldn't go for him personally um <laughs> i didn't really like i didn't really like his voice that much but this actually like i think the most interesting thing about this film for me is that from the moment that we first meet laura's husband i'm just like oh yeah th- he's a closeted gay man like he, he <laughs> like you, all you have to do is listen to like the way this guy talks and dresses and and it's just like, yeah, this is, they don't have a happy marriage. She, it, it's just like, and then I learned that the playwright was a, was a gay man, was a closeted gay man. So I, I, I don't know how much of this is actually just me imagining it and looking back and like the way that people talked in the forties versus like 
reality of what's happening here. But they, uh, you know, she's unhappy. He's like doing his crossword speaking and this like, you know, he just like, he's coming across as very fancy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's just like a little bored and whatever. But this voiceover that she has, she does, um, she directs to him, like the whole story she's telling her husband. Which is an interesting thing, and she yeah, like, it's a, it's a whole thing's a letter to the husband, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think it ever happens or is real. But the way that she's telling it is just sort of like, oh, like you would have loved him, and whatever. Like it, it's a really weird way to like tell that your partner that you're having an affair or whatever. Like, so the way that she's going about it feels weird to me. And then at the end, he he kind of comforts her, and he says something to the effect of like wherever you've been, I'm just glad you're back now with me. And it kind of gives this little sense of like, he knows what she's been up to and he doesn't really care that much, but he's just noticed that she's sad. So I feel like there's just like more going on than a sort of a typical, like uh, affair happening here. Like there's a, and, and she, she's really like in love with her husband and admiral like admires him and whatever. She's just like, they don't have like a passion there or something. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you catch on yeah. to any of that or? Yeah. I like, I, I, I like the ending where cause he is kind of he's like, I get it. Something's happening, but like, I'm obviously here for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think he's going to reconcile that. He's like every single night sitting there playing the crosswords and not very, uh, he's probably not a very attentive husband or anything like that. He looks like a good father when he talks to the kids, but yeah, definitely. But, um, meanwhile, you know, she's a mess. That, yeah she's the best yeah it, 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 it mean you know like you know you think at the end of the movie then you're like I, you bet laura the main character was like never wishing that she ever met the other man like just that she could keep on going or you know did she need that in her life to spice it up but like i don't know i i really dug that just just that whole thing of like just randomly meeting someone and it, it was just a really interesting plot point where you know she like it, it, like he's moving away it's 1940s there's no there's no like telephones that can probably reach to south africa i don't know how that works or like you know video calls or anything like that like she will literally never hear from definitely her. no video calls definitely no video calls definitely no facebook no so it's just like such a chance thing and like you know like and then you get reminded of the you know simplicities of life like like where they're like hey meet me thursday okay that's fine like at this place like at a time and that was uh, all they had yeah but uh yeah no back to your point of the uh of the husband yeah i i definitely yeah there's definitely more going on there yeah i also noticed he's very uh effeminate but i <laughs> yeah. but i'm also wondering too if it's like okay was that like like i don't know i didn't live in the 1940s i don't know how like the social code worked or like how much you know i know there i know like a lot of um famous leading men in hollywood like or not a lot but there were some who you know nobody was openly gay but a lot of them were gay so i I just think like and i'm just i'm wondering in society how much of that was like an open secret so it's like if you're in the 40s watching this movie and, and and you're like looking at this husband you're are you thinking that are you like oh this guy's gay or is that just like how people spoke how some men spoke in the how some straight men spoke in the 1940s right yeah so that's a 
yeah, like, I don't think we'll ever truly know the answer to that. But yeah, I think we, yeah, we could take some shots in the dark at that one. But <laughs> he never, like, he never expresses a desire for other men. I'll, I'll put it that way. There's nothing explicit. It's more of a, uh, it's more of, you know, sort of the, the sartorial clothing choices, the, the patterns of speech, um, and his general, like, there's, there's a friendship. There's a platonicness to their relationship. There's, uh, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of romantic love. Also, my favorite part in the movie is when like she comes home one day and she's clearly like very flustered and just upset about stuff. And he comes and he's just like smiling and like, hello, dear. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, you better go make me din- dinner. I'm getting a little hungry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, like, he's I, an ass. Like, like I kind of wanted to recap all the funny 1940-isms of the movie, which were like totally just commonplace in that era, would just seem like just like a dog walking on hind legs to us. Like it, like yes. there, there was like a ton of them. Like, like there's a pivotal scene um, early on in the movie where Laura uh, is meeting with her lover, um, her I mean, not her lover, her affair person, not her Trevor, lover, her lover, doctor. yeah, her lover, Trevor, the guy she falls in love with. And uh, they're in the city, and they sit down at this restaurant together. And uh, it is, and uh, a major plot point in is that like they're sitting at this restaurant, and the restaurant has a band playing. And like Trevor like points to the like like the piano player, and she's like not a pretty woman, and they just start freaking laughing and like just like making fun of this lady because she's not she's like not good looking, and she has like. She has like glasses on and stuff like that. And there's like the roasting her and making fun of her at the table, and they like bond over it. I thought they were, uh, I thought they thought the orchestra was bad. Like, I thought that was the reason behind it. But, um, regardless, yes, they're making fun of the orchestra. And then when they go to the movies, she's also the organist, um, playing before the movies, which is a, is a fun little detail of you know, movies in the 40s. So, um, yeah yeah one other one other fun thing was like uh there's the there's the bartender at the refreshment room and then there's like uh uh he's a conductor or something at at the train station but he's he's a little flirty with her and he's flirty with this other young woman and like i feel like there's an interesting thing going on where it's like they get slightly more explicit in what they're saying to each other as it goes on but like we never see any of those people's stories but like one time he just comes in and the the bartender is sweeping up <laughs> and he just like gives her a big slap on the ass. Yeah, and it's just so like, Jesus in, Christ, but in the refreshment room and like, they're just, yeah, yeah, I know. That's just, that's just so, so funny. Yeah. That's just like, definitely would not be cool. Like that guy would be arrested for like sexual assault. Like, yeah. The, yeah, definitely. Okay. 1940. Um, yeah. I, I, I love the little, like just the set piece of the refreshment hub outside this train the uh, train station i don't know yeah. i thought it was i thought it was a really good set like it was it was kind of interesting and they have so many scenes in there it reminded me of um in i i think it's mostly in europe i think there's a couple in dc but there's this uh chain of cafes bakeries called uh paul and uh when uh when we were in luxembourg there was uh there was a really similar looking room to this room that was uh right next to the train station so i kind of had like a little bit of deja vu watching these scenes and thinking about like 
uh, us in there eating our uh, scones and like waiting for a train to come or whatever. It's like a similar. Uh, it's kind of like this um, long extended. Uh, um, uh, sorry, hexagon or um, six sides. What's six sides? Octagon. <laughs> no, that's eight sides. Uh, we're so dumb. Pentagon. Uh, uh, it's five. No, Penta. it's a penta. Uh, God. Well, we'll get back to you on what a six-sided object is. Our Google our Google podcast reviews just went down by one point for not knowing. I'm that, trying so. to just. I'm trying to not Google shit. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to speak freely. I'm uh, trying to mind, speak freely. My thoughts. Um, this is this is the first episode, but. Uh, <laughs> of this podcast that i've yet to come up with a name for um but anyways yeah i mean you know overall pretty solid flick um i think most of my interest in it is like contextual and history based um right definitely i would say like on its own just as a watch like not my favorite but i definitely uh i i definitely enjoy you know placing stuff in a context of like film history and of world history and i do think the point about this being in the middle of the war is definitely interesting like i don't think there's a lot of connections but I, this is like the first type of like film to like come out of world war ii you know what i mean like right. this is like what they, like this is what our you know the creators wanted to release to the public at that time and obviously i think this is what the public wanted like a little escape from reality um, yeah like do you in, think there's like, different you war films because because i know that right. like there were so many war films produced during that time but like like what's the uh, uh, uh like what's the inglorious bastards film where he kills like <laughs> like the, the germans made about the, <laughs> the the sniper yeah they were like tired of that those kind of films <laughs> oh yeah yeah right american sniper yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah i i mean this is kind of like this is kind of like the tenet of the 1940s because coming out of the pandemic we're sick of just like watching explainer videos about what the coronavirus is and we just want to watch tenet so um <laughs> people just wanted a good old-fashioned romance but I, and I like that yeah i mean you know i think it's the same thing it's just sort of like sometimes it's interesting to watch something that's a little bit older um sometimes it's sometimes it's more sophisticated than you expect too like sometimes right. in my head i'm like oh it's gonna be really dumb but like a lot of the dialogue is very sort of like stripped from a novel like it, it there's, there's good writing you know um interesting yeah. turns of phrase and such one of the major things i did like was the cinematography was i thought like how they did the night scenes um mm-hmm. just really cool like they have a really nice uh under the bridge scene with them where they embrace and yeah. there's just some the really hard shadows platforms yeah it, it looks it looks really cool and then i think the best shot of the film that's like sticking with me and like i want to i want to do a gif of it and when you said they do the dutch angle the the yankish angle when she's about to commit suicide and like the the light streaking across her face and stuff like that uh yeah i thought they did a really good job i'm like i'm like really impressed like by the cinematography uh yeah the, 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 the lighting looks awesome i think like the stuff at the train station you know it's cool to see those steam engines um billowing smoke mm-hmm. and uh i think like there was some good sound design as well with the trains and, and sort of like the ways that the trains would intercut different um scenes and thoughts and whatnot so got some robert redford vibes or uh or the uh the coward who killed 
Uh, what's that one movie where they have the, they did, like the nice building smoke train scene? Howard who killed what? Robert Yankish? Uh, yeah, like, no. They, um, I, can't, I can't think of it. I'm not, I'm not on my A game with uh, recollecting movies right now. Jesse, but no. Jesse James? Jesse James, yeah, that movie. Yeah. They, they had a really good train scene in that where all the smoke billow out. And I was kind of thinking of that too. That Yeah, like those overhead shots of the trainways are really kind of really cool. Yeah, man. And then, uh, you, and you, then you be on trains a lot. And then we totally had a uh, a cab moment when uh, she was sitting <laughs> in the park with the uh, and then she runs into a police officer. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing out here so late?" I don't get. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Oh, I'm just walking to the train." Like she has to worry about it or something like that. Yeah, well, he didn't beat or pepper spray her. To be fair, so no, even in the forties, dude, a cab. Yeah, and call it. To be fair to the boys in blue. <laughs> <laughs> he did not he did not kettle her he uh, asked her one too many questions she was just a lady sitting on a park bench uh down that's true uh, man solid from he had her. no business talking to her <laughs> yeah all right any closing thoughts anything uh anything to plug from the world anything, of robbie anything to plug uh watch criterion it's really fun um i think we'll get a lot more out of this podcast too you know, just if you, if you watch the movie, I'm telling you, I, I know it's hard to put yourself out there and be like, not nah. like, I, I know Emily and I have sometimes where we go in a week or two of saying like, oh, dude, I don't want to watch. I'm not watching any film pre-1993. Like, I just can't. Yeah. Just, I, you know, where you want something modern, fast paced. But uh, putting yourself or, back. Or even just like place. a, or even just like a two hour movie, right? Like, or something yeah. dramatic or something with a plot. Like it, you know. I mean, how much of us just watch stuff with our phones in our hands these days? Yeah, it's like it's it's yeah. it's so commonplace, it's so easy. And like I think especially after working, you just like want to watch something that is easy. So um I feel the same way a lot of the time. I watch a lot of TV shows just because they're they're light. I've been watching a lot of uh NBA basketball since the bubble. Yeah. The play Dude. in the bubble has resumed. Uh, uh, the playoffs yeah, started yesterday. Yeah, watching What's sports that? is good. That's a major thumbs up to me. Watching sports is good, but uh, watching definitely sports is good. But definitely uh, press yourself to watch some older classics and and uh, don't watch. Have you seen that app Quibi? Quibi yeah. or something like that. Like, Quibi. Like that's like, Quibi. Yeah, they're like fifteen minute shows, only streamable on mobile devices. Oh yeah, this is how we destroy everything. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's and great. like, and, and like, it wasn't. When the when the app first launched, you couldn't cast it to like your smart TV or anything. And um, if you haven't seen it, definitely look up um, the the Quibi show with Rachel Brosnahan. Is that how you say her name from uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where she has like a golden arm? I've just seen the like two minute clip of it, but it, I literally cannot believe it exists. It's so bad and ridiculous, and like. I mean, Rachel Brosnahan, like, like her career is incredible. She's taking Quibi shows right now. You gotta be kidding me. Well, they got a lot of famous people to do that stuff, but like I have, you know, I mean, there's a show right now with um, uh, Kevin Hart and who else is in it? I don't know, man. But they, I mean, they got some big stars for sure. But, but the thing is, like, I refused. I don't like that. Just like, like, can you watch it on your smart TV? I think you maybe can now, but it's just another thing to subscribe to. And they've, there's, there's nothing like there, there's nothing of interest to me. And, you know, yeah, I don't know, that. man, it's just another thing to pay money for in the same year that like Disney plus and HBO max have already happened. So, 
Oh, another interesting point uh, for the listeners is um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of the there's a lot of crossover between the HBO Max uh, Turner Classic Movie Collection and the films available on the Criterion Channel. So uh, if you want to watch along and uh, you don't want to get a Criterion subscription, the movie may be available on the Turner Classic Movies Collection of HBO Max. So be sure to check that out. I know for a fact this one was available on both. However, well, I watched it on. I watched it on Criterion, though. That's awesome. So, um, so real quick, just uh, I want to do a quick recap all for right, the podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, no, 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 we don't have to do a recap, recap. But though, obviously, this podcast, Criterion Deep Dives, with your friends, and you're watching movies. Um, so is your main goal with this to open new eyes to older films or, or films or just, just in general, just keep watching films rated by Criterion? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, um, I think what, you know, you, I think you have a little bit more of like a film watching background of just in general, sort of like film history movies that I might want to watch as well. But like, I have a lot of friends who don't watch very many movies at all. And I want to call them up and tell them, Hey, you can watch something, pick something really weird and random off this. That you've never heard of. And, I really want to know what you think about this. You know, I, I, you know, I, I think it's amazing that there's like so much stuff to stream out there. And, uh, and like for anyone who's interested in history or film history, like there's so many movies you can watch. And, and especially when it comes to just like archival footage and documentaries, like there's just like hours upon hours of footage of the Olympic games going back to like the early 20th century on the Criterion channel. And it's like yeah, that's that's like insane to me. Like, who's ever gonna watch that? That's like crazy. That's yeah, man. So I mean, just crazy. put it on, and you'll probably be like transfixed because I think documentaries, you know, old documentaries are a literal time capsule. And right. Yeah, dude. I don't know. And I mean, so uh, you know, I think the goal is just to watch movies. It's you know, forcing. Uh, forcing me to watch a movie that maybe i wouldn't necessarily just watch on my own because it's somebody else's perspective so but we'll see yeah de- I mean. definitely because uh mike you may because i watched brief encounter from 1945 i don't think i would have watched it uh if you didn't ask me to do this so if there I wasn't a podcast prompt yeah and now yeah I, i'm gonna do one of those things where i just like totally stand brief encounter i'm gonna do a brief encounter twitter now <laughs> so it's pretty much changed my life next yeah next time someone asks you your favorite movie oh definitely brief encounter <laughs> i like that a lot <laughs> yeah so i had a really good time and uh can't wait to do more deep dives with you yeah for sure all right all right everyone well this has been a brief encounter with robbie yankish and uh thank you for joining us today 